This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, sharing the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. Lake Taupo is in a state of unrest, and GNS Science has raised the alert level from 0 to 1 for the first time. Earthquakes beneath the lake have picked up in September 2022, with around 750 having occurred since May. The questions many people are asking centre around what these earthquakes mean and whether we could potentially see the ancient Toport volcano erupting. Here is GNS duty volcanologist Craig Miller to tell us all about it. I'm a, a volcano geophysicist at GNS. I've been working there for about 20 years now. Um, and my role uh, involves a mixture of doing research on volcanoes as well as uh, kind of monitoring their activity. So there would be quite a bit going on that you would have your, um, your monitoring eye on at any one time. Yeah, that's right. So we monitor all of New Zealand's active volcanoes. So that's um, all the volcanoes from Rupehu up to uh, Fakari White Island, um, up to Auckland, over to Taranaki, as well as um, places like Raoul Island up in the Kermadex off uh, 1,000 k's north of New Zealand. At the moment, what people are particularly mindful of is that there's some um, increased uh, activity uh, in in regard to earthquakes and seismic activity underneath Lake Taupo, which is, of course, the caldera of the uh, Taupo volcano. Um, How did this uh, originally um, come to be noticed by GNS? So we have have quite a few monitoring instruments around the lake, and they send us their data continuously. So we're continuously monitoring earthquakes. Um, We locate them within a few minutes of them occurring and they go on our web page and so then as the monitoring scientists we we kind of look at those data every day and we we started to notice that around you know kind of may june um the number of earthquakes has started to increase um and then along with that we also noticed that uh, the sensors that we have that record the, the very small ground movement had been showing some movement kind of moving away from the lake. Um, if you imagine a balloon blowing up in the middle of the lake and the lakeshore gets kind of pushed out to the side. We started noticing small small movements uh, like that as well. Interesting. So the actual uh, surface of the earth is 
um, is moving and changing um, because of whatever is going on under Lake Taupo. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of stretching in the in the north, south, and east, west directions, as well as going up um, a little bit as well. So yeah, and that that's being driven by what we think is um, magma intruding um, beneath deep beneath the volcano. So being new magma being pumped in, or kind of a rearrangement of existing magma. Um, within there and that's maybe occurring maybe five six seven eight kilometers depth something like that interesting not that far down um in respect of um uh, when you think of how, how deep the ocean is um at its deepest points um the the magma is a bit closer to the surface than that it would indicate wouldn't it yeah um it's, it's still i guess the crust the Earth's crust in the Topol volcanic zone is pretty thin anyway. Um, that's because it's being stretched apart. You know, this kind of the Topol Rotorua area is, is uh, becoming wider, um, which means the crust is thinner, which means that the, the kind of the, the, the molten rock is, is naturally much shallower, um, closer to the Earth's surface in this area anyway. And then beneath places like Topol, we, we have these separate kind of magmatic systems um, that drive drive the volcanism in that particular area. So there's always uh, magma uh, relatively um, a, a small distance underground uh, compared to other places at Topor, is that correct? Yeah, so it's the, the magma kind of comes and goes, so it, um, it needs a lot of heat for it to be remaining in a molten state. And after a while, it will start to cool down and become crystalline. And when it's crystalline like that, um, it's not really going to erupt. Um, so you need to be able to you need to kind of remelt that and be able to mobilise um, what we call melt within that, and that that then becomes kind of an eruptable portion of that. So um, what we might be seeing at the moment is some new regeneration of that melt. Um, but that this this often happens quite frequently. You get a little regeneration, then it kind of cools down again, then it heats up again, cools down again. Um, we see that from the geologic record that um, the crystals that come out of the volcano, we can see they've gone through these kind of melting and freezing cycles. So that's quite a natural phenomenon that happens at these volcanoes. So that would be actual rock crystals that you can um, look at and you can see how they have changed and morphed over time and get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So when you, when you um, these are tiny little crystals, but when you look at them under a high-powered microscope, um, some fancy other instruments, you can... Um, you see they actually have layers to them which reflect the different growth stages of those crystals and that's related to the different cycles of, of, of magma uh, melting and then cooling and melting and, and so on. Fascinating. The earthquakes which have been happening, um, are they tied in specifically with the uh, volcanic activity as in um, uh, magma uh, being, as you suggested, pumped in um, into the space underground there? Yeah, we believe they are. Um, so these earthquakes are all located within the, the caldera boundary. So we associate them as being related to the volcano. Um, and probably what we think, well, one idea that we have is what, what we think is causing them is as 
as this kind of magma system below is inflating, uh, the rock above it is cracking a little bit. Um, you can imagine if you're kind of blowing up a balloon that's in some sand, you can imagine the sand kind of cracking as that balloon inflates. Um, so that's, um, that's pretty much what's happening is the crust is just kind of readjusting. It's got to make a bit of space for this new material to fit in, and that's what the earthquakes, um, that's what the earthquakes do. Will people in the Taupo area be able to notice any of these changes and any of this cracking, or is it very uh, minute at the moment? This is all very minute at the moment, so the ground movement, the slow ground movement, uh, people won't notice. Um, but people might notice earthquakes, so events that are maybe magnitude 3 or 4 or larger, people in Taupo could feel. Um, and we could experience earthquakes up to maybe magnitude 5, like we did um, a year or two ago near Mochuapa. There was a, there was a magnitude 5.2, I think it was, there. Um, so, yeah, people, people in Taupo are pretty used to feeling earthquakes. Um, we get earthquakes from, from various sources there. So, um, yeah, they're not, they're not unusual to be felt in Taupo. Is the magma body underneath Topor uh, connected or, or relevant to that uh, under the central volcanic plateau? No, they're quite separate. Um, the only way that they're connected is that they, they share the same kind of plate boundary, which is the big scale process that generates all the volcanoes in New Zealand. Um, but each, each volcano has its uh, distinct uh, what we call plumbing system associated with it. So so the Topor plumbing system is not in any way connected to, say, the Ruapehu uh, plumbing system. That's fascinating. When you can see Ruapehu literally looking across Lake Topor, um, to think that the, these volcanoes, I guess, would they have their own sort of veins feeding up from deep in the earth that are bringing the magma closer to the surface for each uh, yeah. volcano? Yeah, exactly. So you could think of it as a little bit like each volcano is a house on a street and, um, you know, we all share the common water main that runs down the street but, um, and that's, that's the plate boundary, but we've each got our own connection to that main. So um, when I turn the taps on in my house, it doesn't affect the water in your house sort of thing. So um, they're quite, they have their own distinct um, kind of pathways to the surface and the type of magma is very different. Um, from Topo to Ruapehu. Only on a much bigger scale, thinking that, you know, yeah. we're talking about houses, but then volcanoes are just monumental uh, natural beasts. And uh, it's very um, it's very interesting to think of, like, the physics that are relevant to smaller processes in the world are also relevant to volcanology. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, I mean, we study we study things on the very small scale, like I was mentioning around the uh, you know looking at the tiny little crystals, and from that we can get an idea of what the big picture of these magmatic systems are like. So yeah, it is um, kind of operates across all those scales. How significant is this latest chain of events compared to other activity on record, of which there is a fair bit, isn't there? Yeah, so it's pretty similar. Um, it's, 
it's it's pretty much right in the middle of the other activity that we've um, that we know about since kind of written records began around 150 or so years ago. So from that point of view, it's it's not out of the ordinary. Um, but but nowadays we've got a lot more understanding of what what the cause of that activity is um, and what potential implications might be. So that allows us to kind of consider it in a slightly different light to um, to previous episodes, um, and that's why that's why we we've raised the alert level just just to recognise that these are probably times when the volcano is a little bit more restless, um, but it's not it's not unusual. Um, these 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 episodes tend to happen every few years, maybe every decade, um, kind of on those sorts of timescales. How long do we think this episode will continue for? Well, if we look at the history of what we know about the past episodes, uh, they typically last months to a year or so, so we could expect this to go on for several more months yet. Um, that would be our kind of best guess at this stage. And what changes have you been noticing during this episode? Because I understand it began in May with um, a cluster of earthquakes, uh, and then it's just picked up in the last couple of weeks, the frequency. Um, what uh, what changes can you deduce are happening from the seismic activity? Yeah, so I guess the activity is actually quite variable within an episode as well. So... Um, we had a bit of an increase. There was those two uh, magnitude four earthquakes uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, since then, it's been a little bit quieter, but we've had periods of kind of quiet. You know, one week might be quieter, the next week there might be some more earthquakes. So, but overall, it's still uh, kind of above the background level. So, um, I guess it's important to, to note that within one of these act levels these unrest periods, it doesn't necessarily just keep going up and up and up. It can kind of go up and then die down and then come up again and die down. And so that makes it, um, that's why we will probably tend to keep the alert level raised for longer until we are sure that, yes, it's, it has finally died down for good now and that this current unrest period is over. Other processes which happen with... Mount Ruapehu, Narahoe and Tongariro are similar to what is happening under Lake Taupo at the moment? Um, the magmas and those um, in the National Park volcanoes are quite different. Um, so that means they have quite different styles of eruptions. So um, the Ruapehu, Tongariro volcanoes tend to form big cones. The magmas kind of a, an intermediate composition Whereas the the um, the topor magma's uh, rhyolite magma, it's very sticky. It holds a lot of gas in it, and so it tends to have big um, explosive eruptions and less kind of lava flows. So the two the two volcanoes are quite quite different um, in their style of eruption and their magma, even though they're quite close together. On that note, is the Topol caldera due for another eruption anytime soon? A very, a very general question, but um, I think it's something everybody's wondering. Yeah. So if we look back at the the kind of the the eruption record that we know of in the last twenty five thousand years, there's there's really no discernible pattern in there to say that it erupts every one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand years. Um, 
so from that basis, we don't really like to say that it's overdue based on the length of time because we know that um, the length of time from a previous eruption isn't a good predictor of when the next eruption is going to be. So um, it, it tends to follow somewhat of a random pattern in that regard. So, so we can't really say it, it's overdue from that perspective. Do we know what form another eruption would take and what effect it would have on Aotearoa? And would it be um, sort of a global event uh, seen around the world? Well, most of the eruptions that Taupo's had in the last uh, 25,000 years have been quite small, um, probably a little bit bigger than the 95-96 Ruapehu episode, um, but perhaps smaller than the Tarawera eruption in 1886. So they would be, um, they would have local impacts for sure, uh, but probably not on a global scale. Um, so it's important to remember, while Taupo has had two really big eruptions, it's also had most of its eruptions have been quite small. Right, so um, people shouldn't necessarily be nervous about um, what is going on, but they can look on with interest? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way of looking at it at the moment. Um, as I said, these, these unrest periods, we know they've happened a lot in the past, and we know none of these unrest periods have resulted in an eruption. So given our current levels of activity, we don't expect this to, have a, uh, to, be, to be any different this time. Um, and we'd be expecting that this current episode will, will probably eventually die down in the coming months. Um, but, but we know we keep a we close, close eye on it every day, um, and we'll certainly be communicating if that, uh, if that changes in any way. But for now, it's really um, look on with interest, um, and, and, and that's, probably, that's probably all that's... No need to worry about anything uh, too much beyond that. Fantastic. And just taking another um, interesting angle, um, how are things looking in terms of the uh, National Park volcanoes at the moment? Um, is anything going on with them? Uh, they're all pretty normal at the moment. So Ruapehu had uh, some unrest episode earlier in the year when we put the alert level up to level two. Uh, that's since come down back to its usual um usual level one. Ruapehu normally sits on level one because it always has some degree of activity going on there. Um, the Crater Lake's currently around about 23 degrees, I believe. Um, so that's that's pretty much in its background normal state at, at the moment there for Ruapehu as well as for Tongariro and Narahoe. And Lake Taupo is in the alert level one for the first time, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yep. And as I said earlier, that's really kind of a reflection of um, the knowledge that we've gained through various research programs that have been happening in the last few years. And it allows us to place the monitoring data that we have now in, in kind of better context so we understand better what causes it and being able to discriminate it better from other causes that aren't related to the volcano. So, um yeah, we've kind of it's kind of a, a putting the alert level up now is kind of a combination of the activity now, but also understanding what causes it better compared to similar episodes in the past. Just lastly, Craig, um, would you like the public to be communicating with uh, GNS about their accounts of uh, feeling 
tremors from earthquakes or anything like that uh, is it of use that sort of citizen scientific approach yeah so through the through the journet app which you can uh, get on your phone um, there's a there's an opportunity to contribute felt reports there so if you feel an earthquake uh, you can look it up on the app and then there's a uh, something like a felt it button and you can fill out a little survey and uh, tell you and it tells us how um, what your experience of feeling that earthquake was like that's fantastic I'm downloading the app right now literally right now <laughs> oh great yeah that's and that's actually that, that's where all our updates um, about the volcano get pushed out to as well so if you want to stay um, up to date with with the information we, we're putting out then that's that's a really good way of doing it Thank you very much to Craig Miller for coming on WTS. He is a duty volcanologist at GNS Science and gave us some insights there into the volcanic activity occurring under Lake Taupo. And thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. WTS Waikato aims to share the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. If you have any stories you think are worth sharing, email me, technician at freefm.org.nz, and we can try plan something out. You can also get in touch with me via the WTS Waikato Facebook page. I look forward to hearing from you. Mā te wā.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.